And I remember my division chief told me, look, if, if you really think you could do a better job, go put your money where your mouth is and give it a shot. And I thought, you know what? That's what I'll do. So I, I applied to a couple of departments in LA. I got in uh, and I became a cop. And I realized pretty much within the first like year that 90% of what I thought was true was not true. And I was completely wrong about the vast majority of all my assumptions, which I believe is probably the case for the vast majority of the public. And I learned the hard way. You're listening to the Black and Blue Podcast, a discussion and celebration of the roles of African Americans and other minorities in U.S. law enforcement. Your host on the Black and Blue Podcast is Dale Peters, a law enforcement professional with over 20 years experience in the business. Hop on board this Black and Blue train of interviews, current events, and pop culture conversations. So get ready. The Black and Blue Podcast is coming at you right now. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the greatest podcast of all time. That's a little bit of an exaggeration, but welcome to the Black and Blue Podcast, where we celebrate diversity in U.S. law enforcement. If you don't know me, let me introduce myself. My name is Dale, and I'm the host. Thank you for tuning in to the show. And if you know me already, uh, welcome back. I appreciate your support. You guys can continue to support the show by heading over to the Black and Blue Podcast YouTube channel and smashing those like, subscribe, and bell icons. And if you're listening to my soothing voice on your favorite podcast platform right now, make sure you rate the Black and Blue Podcast five stars. And don't forget to check me out on all my social media pages. You can find me everywhere at Black and Blue US. All right, so with that said, let me introduce today's guest. He is a former law enforcement officer who, you know, after several years of service, left the profession to start up his own tech company. Black and Blue fam, let's give a warm welcome to Spider Tech co-founder and CEO, Rahul Sidhu. How you doing, sir? Good, man. The, the audience track is a nice touch. I wasn't expecting it. <laughs> No, Thanks they are really here. It's, it's not a track. They are really here, man. They in the back. Yeah, well, locked. there must be like a thousand of them. <laughs> I got them all crammed. Up. You can kind of see a few of them back there on the wall. We got the <laughs> right. Storm That's from right. the X-Men. We got the Green Lantern. We got the President no, Obama. Expensive, we got expensive cameos, man. Yeah, you got Easy e and Ice Cube. We got everybody <laughs> back here. They all tune in, waiting, uh, waiting with bated breath to see what uh, Mr. Sadu has to say. So how you doing, I'm a, sir? I'm going to disappoint them for sure, man. I, it's no, hard for me not to keep Ice Cube's attention. Like, <laughs> Obama's attention is going to be tough, dude. Yeah. <laughs> how you doing? Good good to have you on the show. Thank you for, for coming on the show. I appreciate you. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. All right. All right. And you are, the, uh, like I mentioned in the, uh, in the intro there, you are the co-founder and CEO of Spider Tech. Uh, before we get into, you know, all about you, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about Spider Tech and what it is real quick. Yeah, so SpiderTech is the world's first automated customer service platform for public safety. And what that means is that I mean, the best way to think about it is when you buy something on Amazon or online, whenever you buy it, you pretty much automatically get a message via email or text that says, hey, 
this is what you bought. Click here to track your order. You're going to keep getting messages. Your item is shipped. Your item is delivered. If you're going to get a survey that says fill out your, you know, fill out the survey. Let us know how you feel about the item. Let us know about the service that we provided. Um, these are all done automatically. This has been going on for a long time in the private sector. This is what the consumers come to expect when they interact with Domino's or Amazon or Uber or whatever these circumstances are. Yep. So we built that type of system specifically for police departments originally. And now we're expanding into fire and courts that allows you to do the same thing. So in you know our 60 plus agencies and jurisdictions across the country, if you call 911 in any of those jurisdictions, when you hang up, you get a text that says, hey, thanks for calling 911. Here's your call for service number. Here's what to expect. Officers on the way. There's a delay. Whatever the circumstances. When an officer submits a report, Hey, here's your report. Here's uh, everything you can give to your insurance company. You might get a message. A detective has been assigned. You know, an arrest has been made. The case has been sent to the DA, and then you might even get messages from the DA. And throughout that process, you'll get surveys asking you, "Hey, how was your experience with the officer, the dispatcher, the detective, the the DA? Whatever the circumstances are." That feedback then goes back to the agency so they can better optimize their operations as well. And and that's what we've uh, that's what we built. Wow. Wow, that sounds like a really cool platform. How'd you get involved with that? Uh, well, like you said, I mean, I was working uh, for a short time as a as a, a police officer. Uh, you know, before, uh, you know, I, I was a I started as a paramedic, became a police officer, and spent you know several years wearing different uniforms and trying to get a feel for what it's like to be in public service like that, boots on the ground. And you know, at the same time, I was noticing around me that. These other the tech companies, like when you buy something, like I said, from Amazon, the, the level of customer service was so much higher. And it wasn't higher because there's somebody at Amazon or Uber or Domino's picking up the phone every time your pizza goes in the oven. It was higher because they made an investment into their you know tech infrastructure to automate some of these customer service responsibilities. So, you know, I have a background in tech as well, a light background, fidgeting around with, with things and building little software uh, apps. I mean, I wasn't a great coder by any means, but just enough to understand how something like that would work. Uh, and I decided to kind of marry my love for tech and public safety and give this a shot. Wow. Wow. That's what's up, man. And, and yeah, you gave it a shot and, and everything took off from there. When, when did you start uh, Spider Tech with the, uh, it says co-founder there. So uh, with, with your co-founders there. Department. Yeah, so um, my co-founders Elon Kaisman and Kenaniah Cerny. Uh, Elon is also uh, yeah, a former full-time police officer, now reserve officer, just like me, in the uh, LA County area. And he and I went to the academy together. You know, what, like eight years ago? And uh, you know, we were trying to trying to get a sense of, you know, in the academy, we we're friends. We both came from kind of a business world, and we understood it. We were joking around when they were in the academy, saying, "Hey, one day we might quit." and uh, start a, a big company and we don't have to get, you know, we're, I remember we were running and we were getting gunned down by staff, just dirt all over us, mud and blood. And we we're just like, we got to do something else. So, uh, you know, he jumped on the company uh, when we started and Ken and I, Cerny was actually the guy who taught me how to code back in the day. Uh, he was, you know, master programmer teaching classes on how to code and he jumped in at the same time. So three of us started the company officially in 2015. Uh, although 2014 was when we kind of, um, you know, we, we were, were thinking about the idea. It started as a research project back then. Nice, nice. So you, you got out uh, after how many years did you work full time? Uh, I, I, honestly, I was there for just under two. Uh, I'm, I, I oh, transferred you got basically. Out, I got out real quick. Yeah, yeah good for you. Yeah, for real you. quick. I, was, I, was, uh, it's, I spent more time, you know, on the fire rescue EMS side before I was a, a police officer. And I've, you know, I've been a reserve officer now for years at that same agency that was full time to keep, you know, found a way to continue my, 
my ability to learn in the, uh, on the job. I didn't have a tremendous amount of experience. I knew just enough about policing to be able to start a company like this and continue learning about it. And then my experience went from you know, doing it in the field, which I continue to do to a certain extent on the on the uh, reserve side, to just flying from department to department over a hundred different agencies in the United States to learn about policing in that way, and and I, I you know learned a great deal that I probably wouldn't have learned you know in a police car. So I'm I'm very grateful for that opportunity as well. Wow, wow, that that's I I love to hear those stories because uh, you know a lot of people don't seem to think that uh, law enforcement officers uh, can do anything other than you know police. Sure. We'll talk about a lot of the issues that are facing policing today, but it's it's good to see that, you know, uh, we, we do have brains and, and some of us use it within the profession. Some of us get out and use it out, out on the outside, but you did both. You got out and you're still using it for uh, for law enforcement purposes. Uh, so I, I commend you on that. I commend you on that. I appreciate it, Dale. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. So how, how'd you uh, get the interest to to get into law enforcement in the first place? You you said you kind of had a business background. What what brought you to law enforcement, though? Well, like I said, I, I was working as a, a paramedic originally and crew chief out in the Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania area. And um, I had some experiences with law enforcement, you know, that didn't go so well. Um, I mean, for for people, your audience members that are just listening and, and not looking, uh, I'm also, I'm a brown dude, right? So <laughs> I'm, I'm Indian. Yeah. And I had some experiences that didn't go my way uh, when I was in the East Coast. One day I was working on duty as a paramedic, uh, driving an ambulance on our way to a call with my EMT uh, in, the, in the rig as well. And um, we got uh, pulled over by like a road raging off-duty cop. Um, you know, the guy, we were on our way to a call. This guy pulls over to the side of the, the, the you know, the shoulder of the freeway to see, look inside the ambulance to see who was driving. Sees me, comes up behind me in an unmarked white SUV. Turn, you know, flips on the red and blues, pulls me over to the side of the, the road. Again, I'm on duty in an ambulance uh, and walks up, no uniform, no badge, no gun, kind of short, stocky white dude and flips a, an ID that I can see for like half a second and yells, Pittsburgh police, and starts yelling at me, asking me if I'm a real paramedic and and asking for my ID and goes back to my his car and runs me for warrants and for whatever reason and to, calls to check to see if I'm a real paramedic for whatever reason. Then comes back, throws all the IDs at me and said, I cut him off in traffic and he's coming at me with a warrant. And then I'm like, I, I was maybe 22 at the time. So I was terrified. You know, I didn't know better. So I'm like, oh my God, I must've done something wrong. 23. I pick up the, the radio and I, you know, tell her, my chief, Hey, I'm coming back. Here's what, what happened. Chief goes, that's weird. Just come on back. So I come back. The guy calls my chief straight and goes, Hey, this is what your paramedic did. And he said, he's just driving an ambulance. He's on his way to a call. I mean, he flipped a U-turn and turned his lights on. Like that's what happens, you know? And, and so, uh, then he found out that that person had pulled me over was the off duty chief of police for Pittsburgh oh. school police and, uh, school police mm -hmm. in, in, you know, in Pennsylvania, they don't have that type of jurisdiction. They can't just be off duty pulling people over on the, on the freeway. Uh, you know what I mean? They have to be within like a thousand feet from a school or something like that. And we were far, right. far from that. Um, so that guy ended up getting fired for it because I was the last straw really? road rage incident for him, but I had to testify against him in court. Um, you know, the, the city asked me, wow. I said, Hey, look, yeah, like what happened? And my, my chief was like, you got to go because this is, you know, like, you don't want this to look bad. I was just a young kid. So I just did what I was told, you know, and I, I didn't, I just said, this is what happened. I tell them my series of events, but I'm sitting there in the audience and the, I remember they asked the chief, why did you pull over this ambulance? And he said, well, it was, you know, it was driving erratically. It had its lights on and Susan and sirens and 
They, they said, that just sounds like an ambulance being an ambulance. So what is it about this particular ambulance that caused you know concern for you? And the chief goes, and you can actually Google this and still find the articles probably. The chief goes, oh, uh, the FBI taught me how to racially profile. They told me to be on the lookout for uh, ambulances that are car bombs. You know, they're cloned and they're designed to look like ambulances. Wow. And he actually called it, he actually called it a Taliban war wagon was, or his words uh, in court. And I was the only wow. one who laughed because I'm like, I can't believe this guy just said no, this in court. No. Um, and everyone else is just like looking at me like they're terrified. Uh, and, and I remember going, man, that I just, that was put me put a bad taste in my mouth and I had one or two other incidents that weren't, I don't think racially motivated, but just made me feel like, man, these cops aren't doing a good job. And I remember my division chief told me, look, if, if you really think you could do a better job, go put your money where your mouth is and give it a shot. And I thought, you know what, that's what I'll do. So I, I applied to a couple of departments in LA. I got in, uh, and I became a cop and I realized pretty much within the first like year that. 90% of what I thought was true was not true. And I was completely wrong about the vast majority of all my assumptions, which I believe is probably the case for the vast majority of the public. And I learned the hard way. And um, I also learned, I loved, you know, that I loved the profession of law enforcement. I love the job of police officer. Um, and it was something I felt, you know, could use my help maybe in a different way. Um, so that's what I did. Uh, you know, I left and, uh, you know, I, 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 you know, like I said, I'm still a cop on the reserve side, but I wanted to find a way to contribute, um, it, through tech and tech, like I said, is something I've, I've been involved in for quite some time. I kind of helped build a little video game when I was 14. I had a little mini tech startup in digital currency before Bitcoin when I was in, you know, high school that paid my way through college. And I, I did these little things, worked on an app when I was uh, in EMS that allowed paramedics to send EKGs from the field to directly to the hospital. This is like, you know, 2010. So way back before yeah. there were apps for something like this. And that, that's awesome. And I, yeah. Yeah. I had a little forays and that's how I got there. Yeah. Uh, it, it's funny you mentioned that. Cause I remember the old show emergency It's probably before your time, unless, you know, maybe paramedics, you guys no, watch that. Yeah. But I remember uh, when they used to show the, the, the scenes out in the field when they had to do the EKGs and, and mm -hmm. they send it by phone. I guess they were talking to the, to the nurses and the doctor by phone and then the, you know, the nurse would tell them, you know, push the, push the IV or do this and do that. And, you know, they would send the, <laughs> the EKG. I was like, wow, that's that, that hadn't, yeah. that, by the way, when I was still working as a paramedic, that was exactly still the same. <laughs> Nothing had changed oh. in, in decades. Wow. Still sending the paper. It would like print out over, over the phone line. Mm -hmm. huh? That's crazy. Mm -hmm. Crazy. And, and what's, what's different now? Do you know? Yeah. I mean, like I, I, I don't keep up with as much as I used to, but now, I mean, for the vast majority of of this stuff is digitally transferred to the hospital. So the, right. the, uh, the doctors, you know, the ER physicians or the medical directors or whoever's functioning in that capacity at the, at the local ER is able to kind of see what the EKG results are, a lot of the vitals without the, the paramedics having to necessarily try and explain it over the phone, which gives those doctors more confidence to be able to, uh, you know, tell the paramedics like, hey, push this, et cetera. Or um, just, for example, with EKG, activate what's called the cath lab so that there doesn't have to be a triage in the ER. Instead, that patient who's suffering a heart attack can go directly to where they need that acute care, which was the main basis of what I was trying to do with the app, you know, 12 years ago, 11 years ago. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I'm still active. Uh, I work for a police department now, and, you know, when our firefighters uh, arrive on the scene and they have to do care, yeah, they don't they don't communicate with the hospital at all. It seems like they either they, they're better trained to be able to do all that stuff, and then they just package them up and, and, and go to the hospital or, 
Yeah. I don't know what it is. You know, that that's their thing. We, we let fire be fire and, <laughs> and police, we, we police, but, um, yeah, I love I love that you 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 started on that side and then you you jumped over to the from the red side to the blue side from the from the you, from the evil side the evil empire <laughs> and then you came over to the light. <laughs> no, you know what? You always hear the opposite, right? You always hear the cops that are like, you know what? I'd rather just sit in a recliner, cook, work out, oh, yeah. play Call of Duty with my buddies, watch old '90s action movies, and do that for 24 hour shifts and have five days off. I mean, right. that's every cop's fantasy. They always end up, you know, that's the way it goes. I'm like one of the only people <laughs> I've ever met that's gone the other direction. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, we always we always joke. You know, it's all in good fun. You know, people mm-hmm. apply. You know, be a firefighter. You can you can make you know mandatory overtime for just sitting and working out and and cooking with your buddies and all that stuff you said. But you know. <laughs> No, no jealousy here. None at all. None at all. <laughs> no, it's true, man. That's that's pretty much what it was like. I got bored. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so you're originally from the from the East Coast. From, uh, no, the actually, I, I was born and raised in the LA area, and I went to okay. Pittsburgh to try and gain some perspective, know what weather is like, what seasons feel like. You know, give it a shot. How did that? And then work I quickly was like, you? nope, not for me, and I came back. Not for you. <laughs> How long did you stay out there? Uh, just about four years or so, maybe a little bit less yeah. than that. Actually, that that was that was enough for you, huh? That was enough. Oh yeah, absolutely. Just a couple yeah. winters, handful of winters in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. You grow up in LA. You're like, okay, I appreciate this now. Thank you for your service, and you go right back to California. You don't need right. any more blizzards. You don't need the National Guard escorting you now on calls because that's to move the snow out of the way. I'm done yeah. with it. No more of that, please. Thank you. I don't need to be fighting yeah. the earth at the same time as I'm fighting everything else. Pass. Hard pass. No doubt. No doubt. Yeah. I'm originally from Columbus, Ohio, but I've been out here in Cali for, I don't know, 20 something years now. So, um, I, I do not want to go back. I do not, just like you just <laughs> said, dealing with the the blizzards and, and tornadoes, we get tornadoes in, in, in Ohio. Oh yeah, you got so, tornadoes too. Yeah. Wow. You get tornadoes too. You know, you always hear the, 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 the opposite side of that, you know, from people on the East coast talking about California, but earthquakes, you know, you guys got to deal with earthquakes. We get earthquakes like once every 20 years, you know, a big, I know, I know. Yeah. And we're, we're doing such a good job, like making things earthquake proof at this point yeah. that like, when you get it, you're like, Oh, that was cool. Like, you, you, you know what I mean? Like a bad one's going to be a bad one. We're due for a bad one, but it doesn't happen yeah, we, nearly as often as like the hurricanes and the tornadoes and the blizzards yes. and the floods and all that stuff. I'll deal every with hurricanes single year, every single yeah. year on the East coast. Yep. And you, you move far enough away from anything that can set yourself on fire and you're, you're good. You're golden. You don't have to worry <laughs> about it. Live in a one story yes, building. You know what I mean? With desks all over the place, you're safe. That's the one thing we do have out here is, is, is the fires. Yeah, that's the thing that's getting worse. Yeah, I mean that's uh, global warming and and all mm-hmm. sorts of things, and and people not clearing the brush from the hills, and that's yeah, right. and and it's getting hotter every year. It's 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 yeah. crazy. So hopefully we we won't need uh, you to pull back into your into your fire services. Uh, fire <laughs> experience, your EMT experience. Uh, I, don't, I don't have the knees anymore, bro. I, I can't be yeah. walking up, uh, you know, 10, 10 flights of stairs and stuff anymore. I don't want to do that. Right, right. So you mentioned earlier that you were Indian, uh, but you mm-hmm. grew up out here in, in Southern California. What would your parents mm-hmm. think about you joining law enforcement uh, from from uh, the EMT career? They hated it. They were they were not pleased. Um, you know, I, I can tell you your Indian listeners or any, even your Asian listeners will tell you parents, uh, Asian and Indian parents are, are, uh, they're very specific with how they want their children to succeed. They have a very specific picture in their head. My parents wanted me to be a doctor, which is just like the absolute stereotype for Indians. 
and I was uh, studying emergency medicine at the University of Pittsburgh. And so they saw, you know, they're like begrudgingly accepted, accepting my whole like EMS rescue stuff because like, all right, that's one way for him to eventually become a doctor. And the day I told him, I don't want to be a doctor. I'm going to go be a cop in LA. They didn't talk to me for like four months. It was a long time that they're just like, nope, we're, we're super upset. Uh, they, wow. And then halfway into the academy, when it felt real to them, my mom started sending me home cooked meals. You know, she was like, okay, never mind. Like she started sending stuff like, okay, he's, he's going to do it. So we may as well support him. Um, well, mom, mom's always I, like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Eventually. Yeah. Um, my mom was like that when I bought a motorcycle, she was like, I hate this. I hate this. I can't believe you're buying a motorcycle. Now stand right next to this motorcycle. Let me take a picture so I can show it to all my friends. You look very handsome. That's the way, <laughs> you know what I mean? That's, right, how, that's, right. how, that's how moms yeah, are. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, they weren't, are, yeah. they weren't happy about it. Now I, I have, you know, my family comes from public service. My, you know, grandfather's in the military. My, my cousin, um, was, uh, was in the U S army and, and unfortunately was, um, you know, uh, killed in action, um, as well. And so my, my, my parents don't have, you know, they're very afraid of, of any form of public service. that's considered downrange in some capacity. And, uh, I get it, you know, so they, they, they were afraid of that, but now they're, they're totally cool about it, you know? And, and when I was, starting the company they're like no nah, we don't really like this it's too risky of a venture so they, they've never liked any, <laughs> any of the decisions yeah. but they wanted to, they, they wanted to now, save they're happy. now they're proud of me yeah yeah they wanted to save bed for their baby they wanted you know medical even though you know for uh the medical profession as well my, my son wants to he's in college right now he's a sophomore and he wants to pursue the medical profession so that, that's not the end all be all as well as, as being safe you know you hear about that's all right. the horror stories with uh, all the the loans they got to pay back and uh they're not on their feet until what you know 15 years in 12 15 years in so yeah 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 i mean look i mean most doctors it's you're going to be in your 30s before you're living the lifestyle you know that you always wanted and that's assuming you know you graduate college at 22 you go straight to med school at 26 you do like yep. four years residency you're gonna be paying stuff back for a while you get to your 40s you're like all right now i've now now i'm starting to really accrue some capital. I can buy that big house I wanted, but, uh, it takes a long time. And, and I oh, thought God. about that. Nothing. No. And by the way, no, no offense to doctors, you, you know, God bless them. We absolutely I need doctors. them. I love doctors. Yeah. yeah. But I was like, I got to find a way to, to live. You know, I want that big house in my thirties, not my forties. You know what I mean? Like, and, and yeah. I'll, I'll take a riskier route to, to see if I can make that happen. Um, so it just wasn't something I wanted to do at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Secret, but just between me and you, um, mm -hmm. you know, if, you know, whenever I'm out on patrol and I pull over a doctor and, you know, I see that they're a doctor that, that that's one group that gets a break. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess, yeah. you know what I'll say, I, I, I absolutely, especially if they're like an ER doctor and I see doctor, ER doctors, you know, they may see me on the table one day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're definitely getting a break, man. Um, yep. and I always like try to recruit them for the reserves too. Like if I, if I meet like an ER doctor, I'm like, Hey, uh, you're giving an interest in doing something like this. And sometimes I'm like so excited. That's even a possibility, but, uh, but that fades depending on the doctor and you know, like your, your plastic surgeon, I'm starting to go, okay, what kind of plastic surgery I got to decide, you know, if that's worth going 90 to 45, but well, it's true, <laughs> really true. depending at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, interesting. You're talking about, uh, doctors and reserve. My dentist works as a reserve for the sheriff's department over here in, uh, in San Bernardino County. <laughs> and, uh, he uh, he actually does you know their identification for their you know for their corpses you know the the body yep. you know dental records and all that too, 
And every time I go in, you know, so he knows, you know, I'm a cop and he, you know, all trying to talk business, you know, cop work when, when his hands are all in my mouth and I'm like, ah, and you know, and he's the <laughs> only one really doing the talking, but it's, it, it, it's, it's cool, you know, cause he's, you know, he's obviously pro law enforcement cause you know, he's reserved. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one of the stuff. local doctors, uh, in our area is um, one of the ER doctors is also uh, on the SWAT team for a local department as a reserve. So, I mean, people find their way, you know, that you've got pilots that'll be reserves and their, their air support for the agencies. You got, yep. you know, reserves that are on the legal side that help out tech side that help out with that. I mean, really, I, I think the reserve programs are, are fantastic. I think they're great ways to, to be basically supplement your, your, your police force with special skill sets and essentially in most cases, free labor. You know, it's hard to turn that down if they have the adequate training and they're safe and people enjoy working with them. It's it's a it's a it's a no brainer. You know, it doesn't always go that way, but when it does, it's it's a great great asset. Yeah, let me ask you. So now that you're you're you are actually a reserve now, and speaking to a couple of uh, chiefs of police back east and down south, a lot of them are downsizing there the reserves because you know all the the issues they've been having with policing, mm-hmm. and it's kind of hard getting you know officers, let alone reserves. They're also talking mm-hmm. about training, keeping up uh, training for reserves. Um, they they have to keep up on the same level of training uh, that the officer, the regular full time officers have to do. Yeah. Now sometimes you know if a if a reserve is a is a busy person, they don't have time to keep up on that, and then and yeah. they come to work, and then they get caught up in something, and their training records weren't up to par. So, you know, a lot of those, a lot of those that's a liability. Just, yep, just disbanding their their reserve course. Uh, what do you think about that? Are you are you doing a lot of training yourself, you know, doing all the stuff like that, you know, on your off time. Yeah. So I mean, like, I, I think, um, well, to answer that last question, uh, that's on and off for me. So I, I like, because of the, the company, it, I'll have times where I'm spending a lot of hours doing the reserve thing and I'm in the field. Like I'll, I'll you know, when in, in 2020, early 2020, like 2019, I was doing a lot of patrol work. So I was, you know, keeping up with that stuff. All the training I would do on the off side was like, you know, as it pertained use of force and things that I thought would keep my patrol yep. skills sharp. Uh, then I transitioned from that to air support um, and focused on helping our agency uh, set up like a semi-autonomous drone program where uh, you might've heard about these types of programs. We were the second one in the country to do this, where we were automatically or semi-autonomously sending drones directly to 911 calls from the local hospital rooftop to act as like helicopter air support and, you know, broadcast that image to all the officers. Chula Vista started that agency. And we, you know, I, I went figure that out and, you know, with the team and at our agency, we, we started a similar program. And so I did that for a while. And a lot of my training ended up being relevant to that specific thing. Uh, and then I'll always okay. take courses yeah. and investigations and things like that. But um, I wouldn't let myself, you know, go back and, and spend more time patrol until I felt like any of the perishable skills, you know, I recapped on that. I went back into a little bit of field training and do those things because I owe it to my partners. I owe it to the the community to make sure that I am as, you know, in perfect shape, you know, mentally, physically, emotionally, all those things that are required to be in the field. But because I haven't done patrol for a little while, it's, it's, it's something I, to be perfectly honest with you, I haven't spent a lot of time doing. A lot of the training I enjoy doing is force training. It's, you know, it's like jujitsu and it's shooting. I mean, those are two things that I would do even if I wasn't <laughs> yeah. a cop. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that helps. All right. All right. So now that uh, you were working with spider tech, uh, how's the business with that? I, I know you said it was, it was a little, little busy with you. So how, how's that working out for you now? It's good, man. I mean, look, it, it's like any business, uh, 
you know, scaling a company to go from like, yeah, we, we work with a couple agencies to 60 agencies to then, you, you know, going from more than that, um, you know, it, it has its unique challenges and any startup, you know, when, when you go from five employees to 50, like you have challenges with the workforce there too. So, um, it's, it's a lot of stuff that I'm trying to make sure that I'm, I, I'm learning or at least hiring people who, who know better than me. And that's, I think my most important job as CEO president of the company is, uh, to ensure that the, I'm, I'm surrounded by people who are smarter, more capable than me. Um, you know, we were actually acquired by uh, Versaturn Public Safety, which is a great company, three months ago. And uh, we are part of this larger initiative to help, you know, public safety agencies have modern frameworks for, for their technology, whether that's, you know, customer service and, and community engagement, which is our side of the fence, or incident control, you know, incident command, which is something that's also very important uh, to public safety agencies nowadays, especially with things like active shooters and protest riots and wildfires and things like yes. that. Yes. Um, you know, all the way down to certain aspects of like the next generation of of, of forensic technology. You know, it's a, it it all comes down to being able to do more with less in modern right. policing. You know, and technology helps fill that gap. So now I'm, I'm you know, part of a, a larger, you know, the company's part of a larger strategy and, and I'm focused on doing that. And I, I still travel quite a bit, you know, going to conferences, speaking, and, and, and most importantly, meeting with agencies and spending time with some of these other agencies. I mean, we have, we have customers like Seattle Police and um, the, Madison, Albuquerque, San Antonio Police wow. Department, you know, like all over the country. We're in Canada now and, and all, you know, smaller agencies up and down, 20 plus agencies in California, University of California, places like this. And so everybody does things differently. And it's, it's uh, you know, I take it upon myself to ensure that I understand how the dynamics shift from agency to agency to ensure that the company itself is being able to provide that level of value to these unique instances. Right, right. And when you, when you first started out, how was that, uh, that pitch? How, how were you able to <laughs> go in and... Yeah. Yeah. Cause you know, law enforcement is, is a little, uh, pessimistic for one and, and not one for change. You know, we like things the way they are, unless, you know, we can see it really in front of us that, you know, this can benefit us in this way or that way. How, how did that, yeah. uh, how did that first year or so work out for you? Yeah, man, it was, it was, uh, I mean, it was going from zero to one is a is a difficult thing to do that whole something from nothing type mentality is is difficult and you got to play like there's two things you got to do like there's well, number one you kind of got to fake it till you make it I'm, I'm a big proponent of that uh and, and number two when you're dealing with a chicken and egg you got to force one of those things to happen and and that means you have to give just a little bit of each on both sides and what i mean by that is when we were starting the business, we didn't have customers because we didn't have money to invest in the product. We didn't have money to invest in the product because we didn't have customers. And so solving that problem meant like I had to fly out to Tucson, Arizona, where I, someone knew the assistant chief and I sat down and pitched. I had like screenshots of a product that didn't exist yet. I sat down, I pitched Tucson PD. I said, hey, here are these things. If we built this, would you maybe even use it for free? And they're like, yeah, okay. We, yeah, we would consider using it for free. And then I did that with a couple agencies. And then I'd go to investors and say, hey, I've got these customers that are lined up to ready to use this. I've got these letters of intent, which legally meant nothing, but it was just right. enough that they're like, hey, these people are signing up to be my friends. That's basically all this thing says. And the investor's like, that's good enough. I'll give you a little bit of money. And then I would make just enough of the platform to go to these agencies and say, hey, this is a real thing. Like, let's sign a contract now. And they go, okay. And they'll sign the contract, but it's for $0. And then I'll deploy it and show that it worked. 
And then I'll go back to the investor and say, it works now. I need even more money. And I remember first I, I raised like a hundred grand and then I went back and said, I have something that kind of works barely. And I raised like a million bucks. And then the, with, and with the Winklevoss twins and a couple other folks, if you're, if you're familiar, that you know, gave us money that early because they just thought it was mm-hmm. an interesting story. Uh, and then we actually built it and deployed it and actually got our first paying customers. Uh, one of them being my old department. And uh, which, you know, you got to do, you got to like, leverage your network, you know, in the beginning. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and then we were, we had four deployed agencies and with four agencies, I went back and I raised two and a half million bucks um, with Google being what, you know, Alphabet being one of the investors and a couple other folks. And, and that's when we were like, all right, let's put with 2.5, we ended up deploying to over 20 agencies and I pulled in a little bit more capital and then we got to 60 and then we were acquired and, and that it's a step-by-step process. But in the beginning, we had to fake it till we made it. And we had to have just enough chicken to get the egg and just enough egg to get the chicken and just keep playing it that way. Wow. Wow. I love hearing this because this isn't typically what, what we hear on, on the Black and Blue podcast. But uh, <laughs> you know, basically, it's, it's the same thing that, uh, you know, when I first started out this podcast about a year and a half ago, I had to, you know, like you said, leverage your, your network. I had to first interview people that I knew because people that I didn't know, you know, chiefs of police, you know, back East or even back here over here in California didn't know me. They didn't, they had never heard of me. They didn't know if I was trying to do some gotcha type of podcast or, or what have you. So mm-hmm. I had to, you know, show them that, I, you know, the sort of show the, the format that I had so that they could actually see that and vet me. And, and then, you know, slowly but surely that's when, you know, more and more guests uh, started to come on the show. I'm not, not, you know, raising the capital from, from Google and alphabet yet, but you know, I, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. <laughs> You're the first step. <laughs> hey man, it's, it's first step, step by step, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It, you know, it takes a while. I mean, it, it probably took a while for you to get your, get your first profit on there. How mm-hmm. long would you say before you started seeing uh, some profit gains there? Uh, it was, or are you still about, not seeing them? <laughs> no, no, we, we, we became profitable five years in. It took a long time. Yeah, to become yeah. profitable. So we were relying on outside funding for for a while to to pay for expenses, um, and then when we became profitable, we raised more money because we're like, all right, we know this works. Profitability at that stage, you know, when you when you look at it, you go, okay, I can inject another five million or something into the business and take this thing from you know a couple million in, in revenue a year to ten plus million in revenue a year. Um, and but I, to do that, I need to inject the company with capital. That's the thing with venture capital businesses is that they're just not they're not uh, incentivized like like traditional businesses where you just go to profitability and you grow organically and responsibly. They're designed so that you can grow as quickly as you possibly can. And then at some point down the line, when you're like a big public company and you can buy your stocks publicly, that's when you start shifting towards maybe a profit based business with strong fundamentals. But that's that's just a totally different game. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And uh, same thing, you know, with the podcast game, you know, I'm hearing, mm-hmm. you know, uh, people don't start really making money three to five years in. So, you know, mm-hmm. if you um, but but it's different for for you when you're starting a business, because one, you always hear the horror stories that, you know, what, 50 percent of businesses, I'm sure the, the, st- the stats are even higher than that, you know, fail. Uh, but you yeah. still, if it's something that you believe in that's what you put your heart and soul into, then, then you'll do it. Yeah. It's like less than 1% of businesses end up getting acquired, you know? And, and, and so to, to be in that 1%, you know, we're very grateful. And I'm also particularly grateful 
for um, the first agency to ever really, you know, first agencies to ever give us a chance as Tucson PD and Grover Beach PD. And the first ones to ever give us money was Redondo Beach PD and Monterey Park PD. And the first investors to ever give us money was Techstars. This guy named Alex Isgold and KJ Singh, these two guys gave us money the, the first time. So all the people that really believed in us when they when believing in us didn't make any sense, really, uh, those are the people that, that I'm always going to remember for the rest of my life because they catalyzed a totally different life for me and, and all the people that work with us. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So how'd you guys even come up with this idea? You said you had a, a little bit of tech knowledge, a little bit of programming knowledge uh, from college or what have you. What, what, what kind of spurred this idea and, and getting the technology together to actually to make, first of all, is it an app or, or is it a computer software? What, what is it? Yeah, I mean, it, look, it, it's it, it's a web app in the sense that it, you don't have to download anything. It's not installed on anyone's computer. It's an app like okay. Facebook. If you go online, is an app when you're on the website, yeah. you know. Um, but uh, it's integrated with with the records management and dispatch systems at every agency. So it's got this you know data flow that goes back and forth. Um, originally, when the company started, uh, our main focus is trying to get a sense of what data is available to help. You know, like how can we leverage technology to use data that's available in public safety to essentially do more than just catch bad guys? Because every company that you were, you know, in the public safety space was keeping cops safe and catching bad guys, which is great. You need those two things, um, but that left this large hole in what I would consider to be just other aspects of service to the community. Um, which I also saw that you know our, our, our my co-founders and I saw was the the, the direction public safety was headed seven or eight years ago you know it was it was just after the ferguson incident and and people started to view policing a little bit differently and and we saw that that's probably not going to slow down um so our main focus was how do we do that and when and i remember you know we had a, a product but we were running out of money the way we were originally looking at it is not the way i just pitched it to you with the customer service component it was a little bit different and i remember um there's this guy his name's michael Sherling. he was the former chief of police in burlington vermont and I, you know, he was one of our advisors and he said, Hey, why don't you fly out to Burlington, hang out, let's talk this through. Uh, and we were running out of money. So we had to come up with some ideas fast. So we went to Burlington, my co-founder and I, uh, and we sat on his boat in, in, in Burlington and, uh, you know, we sat there with a the fire chief as well, I believe. And, and, uh, we were just having beers and, and he said, look, you, you got to stop trying to do all this stuff and just do one thing really well. And ideally make that thing, something that's relevant to customer service or public perception because that's what people want to spend money on and time on right now um and we thought okay and he's like why don't you just think about how amazon does customer service and like what's that one thing they do like they send a receipt so when someone calls 911 why don't you just shoot a text message receipt to the 911 caller and just do that one thing and do that well we're like wow that's a great idea and we went back and we spun off we did a lot of research and we spun off you know, into that direction? How do we become the customer service infrastructure for these agencies? And it just kind of grew from there. Wow. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love hearing these stories. Make me want to sit down and, and make up some sort of plan where I can, you know, I'm, I'm pretty tech savvy too. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. There you go. Figure something out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in my, in my, uh, off time, you know, ever since you know, high school, I, I'm a DJ. So I, I do, you know, DJ and you know, events and stuff like that. So, you know, I always got some technical stuff, you know, how I kind of do the show as well. So, you know, I, I, I might come up with something and, and okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I love, you gotta I love let me know. Let's stories. do it. I love hearing these stories. Definitely. Definitely. 
So, uh, you know, what's, what's the family feel about you now, now that you're this, this big time, uh, tech guru? <laughs> uh, they're, they're, you know, they're happy, man. They're, they're just, yeah, it's like any, any good parents are they're They feel like, okay, you, you kind of, you're good enough. Now you made enough that they don't have to really yeah. worry as much anymore. You know, it's like the, there's like a torch passing now and I feel like I'm taking care of them more and, uh, and that's how it should be, you know? So, uh, they're happy, man. They, and, and at this stage, they're, they're not asking me what I'm going to do. They're not worried about like the, uh, the decisions I'm making on a day-to-day basis. You know, they're, yeah. it took, you know, 30 something years, but now they're confident that I, I'll be okay. And then, and yeah, that's good, important for me. Good for you. Are they in California? Where, where are they? Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's, I, I'm, I'm obviously, I'm hitting you up from Arizona. We were talking about that earlier, uh, in the Phoenix area, but, uh, yeah, they're still in the LA area. All right. How do, how do you like Phoenix? You know what, man? I, I gotta be honest. Like I'm in, in Scottsdale actually, and I love it. It's, it's great. Uh, it's, yeah. you know, coming from LA to, to Scottsdale, it is, Scottsdale is like a kind of like a resort vibe community. You can kind of see the city lights in the background right now. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a, uh, like the, one of the cleanest places in America that I've been to. And I've, like I said, I've traveled a hundred different places. It's, it's yeah, you all been a, a lot of places. And yeah. uh, Scott's still super clean, super nice. Everything's very new. No one's really bothering anybody here. Everyone's just, you know, calm and collected and going about their business. And, and everyone, like, it's just, you're never going to see people like really yelling at each other. It feels like there's no, like, it's hard to imagine someone road raging in Scottsdale. And uh, it's just a total utter difference from LA. Now, what I will say is it's way hotter. Uh, you know, four or five yeah. months of the year. So you got to earn your, your, your cool factor. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, it doesn't have the, the, the food that LA might have, but pretty much everything else, man, it, it, it's great. Uh-huh. Yeah. What was spurred to move to, uh, to Arizona? I'm sure taxes for one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> hey, you know, I, like yeah. I, I will neither c- uh, confirm nor deny uh, the taxes <laughs> piece, but what I will say is, uh, you know, our, the acquiring company is actually headquartered in okay. uh in scottsdale so um or in, in the phoenix area and uh you know that i wanted to make sure i was close to uh where the bread gets made and that was a big part of it yeah no doubt no doubt no doubt so uh wow well you i i love hearing these stories again i love hearing that you know you you've taken your knowledge and you've also taken your interest and you kind of molded them into one to kind of still Still do what you what you like to do on the reserve, but also service the law enforcement community as well. I love hearing that, and I love hearing that you that you're growing and that you guys are are doing something that you guys love to do, and 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 it's working out for you. I love to hear that. Thanks, Dale. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. All right, so uh, before I let you go, Rahul here. Um, you know, like I told you before, I like to play a little a uh, little game or a little trivia with my with my guests here we, we're gonna okay. call this here check this out this is last night i saw a superhero he was black he said this is for the street black lightning's back <laughs> i will call this my black lightning round black lightning round not just a lightning round black lightning round i don't know if you see okay. over here there's a uh, where's a uh, i can't even get there there he is right there there's black lightning right there there too. he is so, all right <laughs> <laughs> right. Anyway, so uh, I'm just going to fire some some quick questions at you. You fire back with some quick answers and we'll get some okay. more insight on the Rahul Sidhu. So real quick, uh, Apple or Android? Apple. 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 You're an Apple guy, huh? 
No, I mean, you know what, man? I just, if someone sends Android me a text right and it's, I'm right sorry, here. but if, and I know this because I was texting you earlier, <laughs> send me green texts. Yes. It's, it's, it's hurting my soul, man. It hurts my soul, the green text. Yeah. Hey, you know, I, I used to be an Apple fanboy, but then, you know, I, I jumped off of that, that train. Yeah. Hey, look, Android text. phones are definitely better. Don't get me wrong. I'm just sucked into the Apple cult. I'm self-aware. I'm totally self-aware, but that green text thing is just, I'm like a single issue voter when it comes to these phones, bro. Yeah, it's the green yeah. text is too much for me. Right. You're, you're still in the uh, law enforcement uh, realm in this uh, law enforcement space as a reserve, but what do you miss the most about full-time police work? What do I miss the most about full-time police work? Come on, think. There's got to be something. One thing. Yeah, I mean, I, it's like being a reserve is kind of like the best of both worlds. So it's, it's hard yeah, to, yeah. to be like, I. You know what I miss is just being forced to work overnights, and I miss the mandatory <laughs> overtime. I miss being working with the people that I didn't want to work oh, with and not having the ability me. to go to other shifts. You're killing me, brother. Uh, you know what? I will me, say this. Look, the the easy thing for me to say is I miss getting paid while I was there. Right, getting paid for right. the time. Yeah. It's hard to say I don't miss the scroll, but I definitely don't miss the other stuff. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Uh, your favorite musician or music group? Favorite musician or music group? Okay, that's good. Because yeah, there's so many, man. There's, you gotta, you can have to break it down by genre almost. Are you an eclectic like, dude I, or what? I mean, like I'm, I'm mostly, I'd say I'm mostly in hip hop, but like I, I go through my phases. You know what I mean? Like it's like yeah. hip hop baseline. Um, but I definitely go through my phases and I would I say dro drop, drop somebody from hip hop for me. <sighs> right. I, okay. What I've been listening to like a, a lot on the classic side is DMC, man. Like I, I, I can't, I can't, I can't like miss with the classics and like the new stuff just doesn't have like that minimalist beat with just the clever lyricism. Yeah. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? You know? And when I, when I do want that, I end up finding it elsewhere, but damn, it's, it's hard to meet to beat the classics. <laughs> no doubt. How's your, how's your marksmanship right now? Uh, serviceable, you know, like I, Service. I'm sure it's, it's like 90% what it is usually, but I still shoot for fun. And, uh, you know, like I was shooting way before the Academy. So, I mean, I, I enjoy it, but I don't want to say that I'm like top shot or anything. Yeah. Cool. Cool. So you, you a world renowned traveler. What place would you like to visit that you haven't, uh, just yet? I haven't just yet, man. There's a lot of Europe I want to go to that I haven't just yet. Um, I'll tell you my favorite country. I'm, I'm a big food based traveler. So I want to go where the food is. And okay. uh, Japan and Italy are two countries I've been to. And I, I ate my way across like both countries. <laughs> so I'm just thinking about where's the food. Like there's where's so many the parts of Europe where the food's good, but South America, the food's good. So I got to say, I got to say Europe. I just got to say Europe overall. Okay. Okay. You like big dogs or small dogs? Big, uh, medium at the at the smallest, you know. But I'm big okay. on medium big. I want to be able to like wrestle a dog, you know. I don't want to like it's so small a, that like I'm afraid. You got a particular kick it breed you like? It's gonna end. What's that? Particular breed I gotta, you like? Uh, I mean, I like. I don't want to be like a stereotypical cop and be like, I like anything that ends with shepherd. So I'm not gonna do that. <laughs> um, or, or rot or. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Uh, yeah. You know, like I, I like big goofy dogs, man. You know, and I, this okay. is like gonna totally kill my man points. But like those big goofy doodle dogs always crack me up with their faces. They're big enough, you know, and they're playful. Yeah. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm trying to avoid the stereotype. Okay. So uh, other than spider tech, 
What's been the biggest uh, technological advancement for law enforcement, in your opinion? Of all time? Of all time. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna list off a couple of real big ones, real quick. Okay. Dis dispatch software where you put the computers in the cars, and people can yep. you know the officers yeah, see what's happening. Yep. That's a big one. Uh, shout out to Rick Smith at Axon because Taser creating you know electric weapons like that. That's oh, another yeah. big one. Um, GPS, I think, as it's generated, is is a big one. Not only because it helps with callers, it helps with cars, and you know, unfortunately, there are agencies out there where. Uh, they can't find officers, etc., and, and GPS you know really solves for that. Uh, yeah. The invention of the radio—that's got to be huge. You know, remember back <laughs> yes. in the day, like you'd you have need to run to a cold you need your, or something. Then you need that Yeah, it's the most powerful thing you got, man. You can't outrun yep. the radio, right? Uh, so I'd have to say those are a top four for sure. Got it. Got you. Uh, have you ever bought anything from one of those one eight hundred TV ads? <laughs> you know, with those Not fast talking announcers. TV ads, man. 2021, you got to change this question to, to to have you bought something for the ads on 1-800 and have you bought something from Instagram ads or Facebook ads? Because I sure as hell have bought plenty hey. of these random gimmicky things from Instagram. Hey, I'm looking at some shirts that I saw on, you know, pop up on my IG feed the other day. So I'm, okay. uh, you know, I'm not sure if I'm going to hit the click, you know, the buy button on that because I'm thinking, you know, is it just going to jack my money or is it, am I really going to get the shirt? <laughs> yeah. Nah, I, I think more often than not, you're going to get it. I have bought stuff on, on like, I'll see like it on Instagram and I'll buy it and I'll like forget about it. And three months later, it'll show up from a Chinese address. And I'm like, well, that's why I shouldn't do this. And it shows up, but yeah. it takes its sweet ass time. Yep. Yep. So now uh, you're in Scottsdale in the Phoenix area and you said the food's not as good as LA food. But uh, if I'm flying into Scottsdale, the Phoenix area, recommend a, a restaurant for me. All right. Look, highest end experience you could probably get in the phoenix area is a restaurant called binkley's and you're gonna pay for it and binkley's is is like it's it's a unique experience they only give di uh, serve dinner to 20 people a night and they all have to show up at exactly the same time 6 30 and there's no menu and you just eat what the chef makes for you and it's like a 12 course crazy meal with wine and stuff like that and every course isn't just like one bite it's like five things like they'll have a corn course where they go here's cornbread here's corn soup here's street corn Here's corn on the cob, you know, and you're just like, oh my God. And then there's another course. And if you can survive 12 courses and walk out of there and fit through the doorway, then God bless you. But I'll tell you, I did one of those uh, when I got here because people kept telling me about it and it was, it was amazing. <laughs> All right. I'll have to check that out next time I'm in Phoenix. And uh, last, certainly not least, uh, name a person in history that you would put on Mount Rushmore. Person in history. It's got, I mean, I'm thinking it's got to be a president. It doesn't have and, to be. Oh, okay, Whoever if it doesn't Raul have to be wants to put on Mount Rushmore. It could be DMX Damn. if you want, whoever you want. <laughs> I was saying Run DMC. I'm not talking about DMX. Uh, oh, so DMC, DMC from Run DMC. <laughs> yes, okay. Oh, you Classic, classic. You're talking 80s classic. Classic. I'm not okay. talking about DMX. I mean, no yeah. offense, DMX, but... You're not classic like that classic. All right, there's a difference. Okay, okay, yeah. Uh, yeah I, I love both of them, but go ahead. Who's going yeah, on Mount Rushmore? That's, that's tough. That's tough. I mean, I think about like the people who have changed so much in America or changed America uh, so much. Uh, I, I, you gotta, you gotta think about people from the civil rights movement. You gotta think about that and how much that's changed life in America for people like you and me. And if, if that's who I'm thinking about, 
the obvious ones come to mind, like Martin Luther King's one, but I, I kind of push, I always think about who's that first person that took the stand before anyone else did. And so the idea of Rosa Parks is pretty important to me because that was yeah. just one person doing one thing that could have ended her life. And I think that's, that's that, that it just, it just makes me think like, that's gotta be it. That's it. That's it right there. Wow. Very insightful. I, lo I love that. Love that. All right, man. I appreciate you. I appreciate you coming on and, and letting us know all about you and spider tech and, you know, wh where, where can we find spider tech? You guys have a, a website, you guys have social media. Yeah. Websites, www.spider and spelled without the E. So S P I D R tech.com. And you can find me on Twitter. Uh, it's at R A H O O L S I D O O. So it's like Rahul Sidhu spelled phonetically. Spelled phonetically. All right. Rahul Sidhu. Got it. Got it. All right, man. I appreciate you coming on and, and, uh, you know, you be safe out there. It's starting to cool down a little bit. So you won't oh, be yeah. burning, burning everything off over there in the Phoenix area. <laughs> but, uh, uh, when it comes back around to being summer again, you know, <laughs> I don't know. What I'm to ducking you. out, man. I'm going to Denver or something. Yeah, I'm. I'm no, you, you I'm, don't want to go to Denver I'm now. Somewhere else. Yeah, you don't want to go to Denver now. It's gonna start snowing nah. here in a little while. Yeah. All right, brother. I appreciate right. you, and uh, you know, you Thanks, be safe, yeah. and uh, you know, uh, I wish you lots of lots of luck in 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 your growth in Spider Tech, and uh, hey, I, I'll put in a good word over my agency, and uh, uh, we could use some of the, like I said, all agencies could use some some infusion of of technology, and. Uh, we could definitely use it as well. Yeah, definitely. My Sounds good, man. All right. I appreciate man. it, man. You got it, man. Thanks Be safe. Be safe. You Talk too. to you. I Black and Blue Techies. That's it for this episode of the Black and Blue Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode with Spider Tech co-founder and CEO Rahul Sadu. Thank you for coming on to the show, sir. And I wish you much success in all your endeavors. Like I said at the beginning of the show, if you enjoyed this episode, Make sure you smash those like, subscribe, and bell icons on YouTube or rate it five stars on whatever podcast platform you're listening to the show right now. Come on back to the Black and Blue Podcast in two weeks where I'll chat with another interesting personality. But until then, y'all know the phrase, stay black and blue. I'll holla at you. Deuces. Presentation.